1: As the rain is tapering off in California, it has been a wild month for the golden state with flooding and mudslides and everything else in between. Speaking of sliding in a different direction, George Santos could, could, could be in trouble if the link is strong enough to campaign funds and financing breaking those laws. He could get the boot from his congressional Seat. He was just sworn in and he has become the Pinocchio of the House. At this point, almost anything in his past is heavily scrutinized and then often discarded as exaggerated or simply not true, especially anything to do with his past and his resume. Hey, everybody. Kate Delaney. The visitor logs at Biden's Wilmington home. Lots of conversation about that, but there are none. A top House Republican had asked for the logs after Biden's lawyers found at least six more documents with classified markings at the president's personal residence. This is a real crisis for a man who wants to run for president again in 2024. So... The chairman of the House Oversight Committee sent that letter to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue over the weekend seeking an account of who may have had access to the property because could they have possibly seen anything in the files? And, of course, the answer back was there is no record of people who come in and out of the the house. Uh, Biden's lawyers first discovered a small number of documents with the classified markings in November At his think tank, these are all documents from when he was vice president. It does raise a lot of questions about document keeping and what in the world is going on with documents that are classified. It's no longer just spy movies where somebody's sneaking out documents from the Pentagon or wherever, and they're handing them over to the Russians in some of the movies that we've all watched In the past. I mean, this is real life and this is craziness because first we had what happened with Trump, the former president, who is now laughing it up over who was pointing fingers at him because now you have the current president who is in the situation where, hey, they're classified documents. Different situation with the volume, also with the fact that the lawyers recovered them. I mean, that's the truth. But they're still classified documents. It's still ridiculous. This is when he was vice president. And it does make you wonder what's in the documents who possibly could, could have had access to it because you don't know, right? You think, you know, but you don't know. It's not like they're uh, under lock and key. Oh, they're just in a box in the garage. Oh, they're at the think tank. Yes, it is absolutely crazy. Let's see what happens with this new investigation really both in both situations. We're not done with the former president's documents and then now we have the current president's documents and what uh, will be uncovered as to what happened to the breach and was it just a forgetfulness and hurry? We got to make the switch and that's that. So there has to be a better way to handle these transitions when people move from one residence to another resident, residents. Let's uh, let's put it that way. All right, I mentioned California at the top, and of course, there's been so much conversation about it because we see the horrific video day in and day out for the past month, where people's backyards suddenly start to shift, and it becomes rushing wall of water, and there are massive floods, and then there were some sinkholes, and it's this atmospheric river that has just pummeled the the state, a state that was in such a bad drought. Now, in some areas, they're not worried about the drought. They're worried about drying out. And when you keep getting that fresh rainfall, it's triggering more floods and mudslides and landslides because you have oversaturated land. And when that happens, trees start to fall because you've got weakened soil, and then power goes out because you have power outages because it's threatened by that very thing. So it's been a very rough month, needless to say, all up and down California. In the central coast of California, the Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo area, also in northern California, San Francisco, outside of San Francisco down in southern southern further down even los angeles uh area same thing you see these pictures of floodwaters and the rivers that are approaching homes so now the california (laughs) The California Atmospheric River event seems to be over, right? It started to hit the West Coast on December 26th. There are parts of California, my friends, that have seen more than 30 inches of rain. There are some other isolated areas that have gotten 50 inches or more. In the Sierra Nevada Mountains, there's tons of precipitation because, you know, you've got massive snow that has, has fallen there. In some cases, 19 people have been killed. In some cases, what will happen is, like in Capitola, they have a, a pier there, for example, and that just was smashed in the middle of it. It was a pier that was built in 1857. Well, that's going to have to be rebuilt. And there are areas where it's going to take three, four, six, maybe two months to rebuild some of the areas because of the erosion and the things that have happened there. So when I say we have a snapshot of America, this is a snapshot of America. I'm going to give you one. There's so many numbers. There's so much history of records that are broken because of what's happened in California. But you look at the heavy mountain snow. And the whiteouts they've had there were, it was impossible to travel. And so people were stuck in in some of those places, right? Flagstaff, Arizona shattered its previous single-day snowfall record of 8.9 inches set back in 1978 because they're also getting it. So it's not just California. I mean, they're not getting what the atmospheric rivers, but they're getting the snow. Flagstaff, staff rather, got uh, hit with fourteen point eight inches of snow on Sunday, right? And then other parts of Arizona. I know we have a lot of people listening in Arizona, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, New Mexico. They got four or five inches of um, snow. So it's. California is getting the brunt right now, but it certainly has been a wild autumn, let's say, uh, the end of 2022 and then jumping into 2023, right? One last one for you. Mafia, when you think of mafia, you probably don't know the most wanted man, but Matteo Messina Denaro, Italy's most wanted dude, arrested in Sicily, one of the bosses of the Costra Nostra Mafia in Sicily. And he was picked up. He was a fugitive since 1993. He was considered by Europol one of the most wanted men in all of Europe. So now he has been taken into custody. Do you think he's going to talk? (laughs) A wanted man for 30 years hiding a fugitive? Wow. How do you do that? How do you hide in plain sight for 30 years? Meet you on the flip side.
2: If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
3: It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company Unmarked boxes. Go to mypatriotsupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. Mypatriotsupply.com
1: Hi, this is Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, The dog, yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter, at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave, and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to KateDelaneyRadio.com. with us his book is called so what's your play how billy jean bobby and blindness begat tolerance we had a great off-air conversation and we actually had some things in in common and his slice of history that he witnessed and then what this book about is so fascinating richard thanks for coming on
4: my pleasure kate very much appreciate you having me
1: so let's talk about why you wrote the book first of all
4: I wrote the book because the producer of my radio show made me. <laughs> but, but then once I got into it, um, I was really, really um, interested in what I was doing. I wanted to tell, I would say, three different stories. A couple of them are historical about not only the very famous battle of the sexes, but what went on before that famous tennis match between Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. But I also wanted to tell a broader story about the related themes of diversity and tolerance and inclusion. For multiple reasons.
1: Yeah, and and what's really interesting, and, and um, tell the listeners about this. So you were at both matches. You were at the the match that featured Margaret Court and then Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And why did you find yourself in that position in the first place?
4: Well, it's a family history. Bobby Riggs is one of his older brothers. John Riggs married my late father's only sibling. My late. At Marion, and so when all of this started happening in 1973, all of this activity surrounding both the first match, known as the Mother's Day Massacre, with Margaret Court, and then of course the Battle of the Sexes, he was getting tremendous amounts of press, and he liked having scrapbooks kept. He had just lost his scrapbook maker, who also happened to be his—I don't like using the term mistress—because he was then not only having a mistress and a wife, he was now seeing another woman. So she said, I'm gone. So he now lost his scrapbook maker, too. So at the age of 14, I got hired to replace the scrapbook making duties and, of course, got to go to both matches. It's funny when you say both matches. A lot of people listening are going to think to themselves – both matches. I only thought there was the one with Billie Jean King, and the Mother's Day Massive Corps, of course, against Margaret Court, was the first one on Mother's Day in 1973 in San Diego, California.
1: Wow. Wow, and being there, and then that led to what happened with uh, Billie Jean, and what was it like being at that match in Houston?
4: The Astrodome was like a circus. It was, at the time, the largest live tennis crowd. Over 30,000 people, I believe it was approximately 90 million television viewers a total complete circus bobby got carried out on a chariot before the match Billie Jean king gave him a gift of a very small pig named larimore that was bobby riggs's middle name larimore total complete circus i sat in the second row but i couldn't really see because i was sitting behind jim brown and george foreman two very wide pairs of shoulders in front of me
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow and it sets up the premise for this book so so let's talk about the messages in your book
4: The overarching theme is the importance of diversity, inclusion, tolerance. These are all related themes. Obviously, what was going on in 1973, that was the height of the women's liberation movement. That was on the heels of the civil rights movement of the late 60s. So the United States is becoming a much different place. And to this day, it's evolved in a much more diverse way than the opposite. We've had some experiences here in this country really uh, recently where I think a lot of people are trying to go back in time uh, to when it was a much less diverse time. That's not the future of people, in my humble opinion, nor the future of the United States of America. I think people have to get on the boat and embrace things like tolerance, diversity, and inclusion and work towards all of the good things that come with those three related themes. Because going backwards in time isn't going to, I think, improve things for people. I also wrote a new introduction to the book, because it's a republish of what I did 10 years ago since it's the 50th anniversary coming up this year of those matches, where I mentioned that Roe versus Wade had just been repealed before I wrote the new first chapter. To me that's going backwards in time to a place that's not as good of a place as where we should be, just in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you know, you talk about that, and you, and and you relate the history, and and you also. So you talk about uh, tolerance, you talk about becoming more accepting of diversity, but there are other nuggets in there. You talk about diet, you talk about exercise, and why did you put that in the book and and the importance of that?
4: Well, I wrote this. I wrote the story forward from 1973 to the present. This would be 10 years ago, and now, of course, 10 years later on this on the reprint. I lost my eyesight for about 15 months in 2021, so came out of that experience very much overweight and on medication for high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was in my early 40s, this would be 20 years ago. My doctor suggested I take up walking. I ended up jogging and then discovering I had a gift for long distance endurance running, so I dramatically changed my diet the things that I put into my mouth and incorporated a routine of everyday physical exercise along with healthy eating. And it changed my life also, helped me to get in shape really for the first time in my life. It also led to me creating my foundation. We just had our 17th annual Oceanside Turkey Trot, which is about the 10th largest Thanksgiving morning charity event in the country arguably the most diverse running event in the country, because we support about 75 charities in our local community. Most running events only support one charity, so we have an extremely diverse crowd out at our foundation's event every Thanksgiving morning, and, and that dramatically changed my life. It also probably saved my life, because then four years ago, I was diagnosed with incurable stage four cancer, and, and yet here I am. I'm got the tremendous pleasure of speaking with you right now, and after we're done here, I'm going to go hit some tennis balls with my tennis coach. I'm living a relatively normal life, even though I have incurable stage 4 cancer, because my doctor said it was my physical condition that saved me.
1: Wow. And, and you know, you, you go back to what you said, and it just really, I'm sure, is stunning to people to, to, to hear that, but to also hear the first part of that, where you went blind, where you're blind, and you have to be thinking, I can't believe it, because of what I'm eating, etc., and then that turned around.
4: I guess you try to make good medicine out of poison, is the theory. But uh-huh. I didn't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. For one thing, nor did I want to be 40 pounds overweight for the rest of my life. Yeah. And my diet, of course, was the main reason I was overweight. But then, when you can't exercise for over a year, it does things to your body that you simply don't expect. None of none of what you're good.
1: All right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, You know, saying all that you're talking about in this really fascinating book, what do you hope people take away from reading it?
4: I hope people embrace the overarching theme of practicing tolerance and inclusion and working towards a more diverse world. And then I hope they have a great read. I think a lot of people don't even know about the Mother's Day Massacre, again, of Margaret Court had won that match, Bobby Beater 6 there never would have been a Battle of the Sexes in the Houston Astrodome about four months later. The irony there is Margaret Court did not embrace the women's liberation movement at all in the least. And so that's quite an irony. So I wanted to put some flavor in there about that backstory since I think most people, certainly tennis fans, know about the Battle of the Sexes already. So those two things, if people yeah. can have a good takeaway with those two items i'll be very pleased
1: yeah makes sense and i love it that you're hitting tennis balls and we have that in common and we have radio in common you had great fun on your radio shows and you can tell you have a massive passion for life what a pleasure to have you on the show richard Musio. pick up the book so what's your play how billy jean bobby and blindness begat tolerance the title just nails this whole thing thank you
4: thank you my pleasure
1: all right, a couple of minutes uh, left before we head you over to our next conversation. We've got a couple of good things coming up here to close out this hour. But um, something that came up constantly was the lottery getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, of course, people wanting to know, if you haven't heard the story yet, the winning ticket for $1.35 billion the Mega Millions jackpot on Friday sold in Maine, Friday the 13th. Wow. How about that? So small town in Maine. People there are trying to be amateur sleuths and figure out who won. Because 25 consecutive drawings, no top prize. And then finally, it's just this one one ticket. There were other people who hit for a million or two million, but nobody had hit the big one so they either take the lump sum or they take annual payments over 29 years. I'm kind of thinking you would take the lump sum, right? The cash option, because then you'd get, what, $724.6 million. That's kind of an estimate. So it, it it is interesting and very cool that somebody has that lucky ticket. You think they're checking it like three, four, five, checking it every single day trying to figure out what to do. By the way, the ticket which was sold in Lebanon, Maine at a small store Hometown Gas and Grill. That store gets 50,000 in a bonus for selling the winning ticket. Woohoo! Yep. Nationwide, 14 tickets matched all five white balls to win one million each. But they didn't have that one giant big winning ticket. You never know, right? That's why you got to play.
3: Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem?
5: USA News, I'm Tim Berg. Winter weather is continuing to impact flights across the country. According to Flight Tracker FlightAware, there were over 2,800 flights that were canceled on Monday, with over 7,900 flights delayed. Chicago Midway, Chicago O'Hare, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Denver International Airports were among the most that were impacted. This as governors across the country, including Kentucky Democratic Governor Andy Brashear, are calling up the National Guard to assist travelers.
6: The National Guard is currently deploying personnel and equipment to armories located near travel corridors that either have been or we think will be significantly impacted.
5: Former President Trump has won the Iowa caucus. The former president will now take a lion's share of the state's 40 delegates for USA Radio News. I'm Tim Berg.
4: are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous.
2: Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA.
1: Is with us. Her book is Two as One, Forever, A Better You, A Better Marriage, and we're happy to have her here on America tonight. Beverly, you have such an interesting story to tell, and you couldn't be telling the story at a better time, frankly. When you look around and you see what people are what's happening with people, we always talk about divorce rates and we talk about um people who get married again and again and again and take the same relationship to the next relationship. And you know all about this as you are a very successful marriage coach and what you've gone through in your life. And that's, I'm sure, part of the reason for this book. Why'd you write the book? Uh,
7: Well, thank you for having me, Kate. Um, You know, I wrote this book because I wanted others to get better understanding of what it takes to have that better marriage. Um, I had to position myself to... Say, fix me, fix me, fix me, um, in that position of always wanting to uh, point, uh, you know, point fingers, and it came to the point where I had to start looking at self. And even though I look in the mirror and I think to myself, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm okay, you know, it can't be me, but then, you know, we find ourselves in a situation of always feeling hurt, always feeling put down. And I had to look at myself and say, okay, what can I do better here for myself to overcome these challenges that I'm having? Because once we remarried, um, you know, we we talked about divorce a second time and I had to take the position that I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm not I'm not signing anything. So that meant I had to start working on self, and that was a journey all in itself. And, and And the purpose of the book is for people to understand that it doesn't have to take you as long as it took me, to understand that forgiveness has to be at the forefront, to to have better habits, to know that it's okay to be different than the next marriage that you're looking at, um, that, that it's okay to show kindness and gentleness on a regular basis, showing up your 100. Because 50-50 in marriage, it just doesn't work. That means you're not giving your all. And that's where I had to position myself to start giving my all in spite of what I felt that I was getting, <laughs> if that makes sense.
1: you know. Yes, yes, it does make sense. And <laughs> yeah. it's hard to do, and I'm so glad you're talking about this. And you have this excellent book where you're really going deep into it. You, you say that. You talk about this unconditional love you have to have for yourself. Yeah. You talk about um, what I think is so great is better words to say. Why is that so important? Mm.
7: It's so important because we find ourselves... Uh, in ha- getting in habits of automatically allowing the negative to come out. It's it's, it's just a, a journey right from the beginning that starts once you get settled in in that marriage. You know, the first couple of years is still fun and all of that, but then we start settling down. The real self starts showing up, and those habits of who we've been around, who we, who've influenced us. They, those bad habits start showing up. We're, we're being told, I wouldn't put up with this if I was you. I wouldn't do that. And not realizing that you're unique, your spouse is unique. The two of you have come together in oneness, and you are unique. So, therefore, you want to make sure that you be the best of who you are within that unique relationship. Your marriage is not going to look like the next one. You have to position yourself to know that it's okay to be different. It's okay for your marriage to look different. It's okay for you to show kindness, to show gentleness, to speak positive. And when that's not coming back at you, You continue to give it because that's who you're choosing to be. You can't look at your spouse for what they're not doing or what you want them to do. You can only give the best of who you are and let that flourish into the marriage. That's that part of a better you, a better marriage, because a better marriage is what I call a byproduct of a better you. So you have to do your best to make your marriage work. And, you know, even though that takes work, even though that will look like it's taking a a long time, I say stick with it. Stick with it and you will see positive results. Stick with it and you will see how your spouse ends up receiving that. I always say you can't fight by yourself. So you keep giving your best and allow them to start embracing that subconsciously and they'll start reciprocating what you're giving them and it makes so much more for a peaceful and happy you because that's what we want is peace at the end of the day, which automatically makes for a better marriage, yeah, so those kind words, that gentleness, that meekness, Let it show up. Let it be who you want to be. That's what it is. Who do you want to be in your marriage? Not who you think your spouse wants you to be, but who are you? And we don't let anyone change us from who we really are. We come with love. We come with kindness. Don't let go of it. And that's where we tend to... Get things all turned around, and before you know it, those bad habits are there, and we forget that we said for good and the bad within the relationship, within that marriage. And we have to endure. But when you start showing that kindness and gentleness and love, and that's that agape love, that no matter what, you're going to show up being kind, being gentle, and you will see, how your marriage will flourish, and you actually you'll start getting what you want out of it and not even realizing that you did that because that's not really the focus, but you tend to get what you really want out of it um, as, as, for a good marriage. Yeah, because we have to stop pushing that divorce button. As you know from my book, I did that. I did that, and and... Of course we say our children are okay but I had to stop and think after we remarried how much better could my children have been you know we have to start looking at the whole picture and not just a selfish manner in what it is that we want we you know we go we can go from relationship to relationship but if we don't work on self you you're taking all of that 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 volatile stuff with you and that means that you're still not going to be at peace so we have to take time to be the best of who we are no matter what the other person is bringing it just makes for a better you and that's what you want that's what you want out of this every time i say a better you i'm pointing to myself I'm pointing to myself because I continuously work on myself. it's it, it isn't a a one time thing. it's it isn't something that you're gonna do for a month. It becomes a lifestyle change for who you want to be, a lifestyle change. and it's going to make all the difference in who you are. You'll be able to forgive. You'll be able to let go of those dysfunctions of the past. You'll be able to move forward in knowing that everything is going to be okay. It's your attitude with yourself that's making the difference. It's your attitude. It's okay to be different. Because most times, you know, when things are going good, people are looking at you and they're wondering, how did did you do that? How did you get there? You know, and we all have our own journeys. We all have our own hiccups, and people never know what you really go through. But you can show up with a genuine smile and peace and contentment in a marriage that there's a storm going on because of your positioning. It's really kind of um, <laughs> it's, it's really kind of a remarkable with it. It really is that peace that no one can take from you because of who you're choosing to be within yourself. That's what's going to make a better marriage. It's a pretty awesome journey. It really is. We have to turn things around. We have to start speaking differently, Kate. We have to start putting the positive first. The negative is always going to be there. The negative will even look like it's outweighing the positive and that's because of the way we're looking at it. Start pulling out what's positive in that relationship. Speak on that. Build your spouse up continuously. Tell them what they're doing good as opposed to what they're not doing good. Say kind things to them. You know, it makes a difference in your marriage. Again, bringing the best of who you are. That's what you want to do for a better marriage.
1: Beverly Thomas, thank you so much. Two is one forever. A better you, a better marriage. Terrific. She really told us so many things that we can use. Get the book now. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Beverly, thank you.
7: Thank you, Kate, for having me today.
6: Guys, why settle for poor quality Powdy Arco that's sold by stores and online resellers
4: when you can get Tehebo Tea Club's original pure Powdy Arco Super Tea at drinksupertea.com or 818-965-9113. The Tehebo Tea Club's original pure Powdy Arco Super Tea is only available at drinksupertea.com. 818-965-9113. 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com
1: ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today. take you to england for a conversation with amanda tweed and she's written a book that i think can pull so many people out of the very very depths that they might be feeling that they're trapped in right now and in fact that's the name of her book trapped by the devil she's got a pen name kate spencer amanda thanks for coming on
8: thank you for having me
1: let's talk about your story what happened to you
8: So for 15 years, I'd suffered domestic abuse, substance misuse, mental health, homelessness, and 50 convictions in and out of prison for shoplifting uh, to fund my enormous drug addiction. This story, I didn't think there was a way out because drug addiction is, it's a very low and very lonely place to be. You can be surrounded by a lot of people, but it's a very, very lonely place to be. And I had such a transformation. I had an overnight transformation that stunned not only me, but it stunned everybody around me. And that is the reason for writing this book, is because I understand that drug addiction is something that cannot really be explained There's a lot of stigma around substance misuse. It can't really be explained. And so a drug addict, well, I'll speak for myself, I I certainly found it very difficult to express myself to others because it's sort of like, well, if you don't want to take the drugs, don't pick them up, don't pick them up. But it's a very compelling, very strong force from within and it appears to take over the person. um, I, I believe that writing the book is to touch the heart of somebody that may be going through drug addiction or somebody who has a loved one going through it, just to bring some understanding around the the subject.
1: And the story, too, in the story, you talk about drug addiction and what it was like and how it had a hold of you. There's that other part of it. It's the homelessness. How desperate does that feel to feel like you are just spinning and you have nowhere to go?
8: Yeah. Um, The homelessness side... it was, um, it was something I'd never experienced. It was something I certainly hadn't thought of before I went down that path. But again, I, I recall um, walking the streets of London, England at three o'clock in the morning um, looking for dealers to buy crack cocaine because that would... That would be my, my companion until it was early hours when, when everybody else, the rest of the world, had woken up because crack cocaine is that type of drug that, that keeps you awake. And most of the time, um, it, it was... The homelessness side of it for me was it wasn't so much a sleeping in doorways. It was more sofa surfing. And you, as long as you had money... To buy drugs or as long as you had drugs then another addict of course they would allow you to sleep on their sofa so um homelessness it, it, loneliness I don't think loneliness cuts it Kate it's it's absolute devastation from from that point of view it was absolute devastation
1: so then you talk about, and again we're speaking with a, Amanda Tweed and her pen name. When you look the book up as Kate Spencer on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, wherever great books are sold, the book is called "Trapped by the Devil." So how did you how did you free yourself? What happened that changed everything?
8: When I was on drugs, I think it was something like four years into drug addiction. I remember having a a moment where I wanted to end my life. I said, I'd I'd lost two grandmothers in the space of six weeks. And I remember sitting down and contemplating suicide. I said, this is it. I can't do this no more. This cannot continue. But there was a very gentle voice from within, which I, I now know was intuition, that said, is life really that bad? And I said, yes, yes. So I'm having an internal dialogue with myself and the gentle voice said, well, really, is your life really that bad? So what would you change a- apart from the obvious, the drug addiction? If you look back at life, what would you change? And I started to wander back with my mind and I looked at circumstances when I was a child and when I was a young teenager where I thought the world was going to come to an end. And I realised that it, it, it didn't Um the problems, there was always a solution, or if there wasn't a solution, it dissolved. And more importantly, it was the people that I'd met on that journey and and the circumstances and the events that had this quote-unquote mistake hadn't have happened or this thing that I didn't want had happened, I would never have had that experience. So I kind of talked myself out of of suicide. But then I started to use my imagination And it was a spontaneous thing and it was as if a vision was tapping me on the shoulder and, and, and I, I saw myself being free and just having everything that I ever wanted in life, which to me was normality, which was getting up at a decent time in the morning and, and going to um, provide a service and have a a loving husband and all of these things but of course that that dream was trapped within and I held on to it and, and and it just kept me going until the 26th of January 2011 I was on my 50th prison sentence and I was discharged from prison into a supported accommodation I went into the supported accommodation as a drug addict, as a thief, as a liar, as somebody who manipulated their self through life with mental health problems, with all of the packages. And I went to bed that night. And when I woke up the next day, my whole life had completely changed. I didn't know anything about drugs. I didn't know anything about mental health. I knew nothing. Um, And... uh, this was 11 years ago and, and, and when you look back you can connect the dots and success does leave clues and i come to realize that my experience was from a very low emotional state of consciousness i was catapulted into christ consciousness where there was everything was perfect there was no problems nothing knew nothing about drug addiction and i stayed in that state of consciousness for about three days within those three days my body completely healed Um, I had a prolapsed womb, I had sciatica, I couldn't walk straight. There was at least, um, I looked at least 10, 15 years older than what I actually was. All of that transformed um, and then I found myself in a state of courageousness and and it was from that state of courageousness that I was able to go off and achieve my, my dreams, my biggest dreams.
1: Wow. So tell us about those dreams. What happened? What changed after that amazing couple of days and what you found?
8: (laughs) Yes. um, Of course, Kate, the body had to catch up. So I was still shoplifting and it was in the middle of a shoplifting. I I stopped and said, why am I doing this? And then there was sort of a memory, a misty, foggy memory of drug addiction. I said, but where's it gone? I'm not an addict anymore. And so I was like oh my god what's happened so i I remember contacting my mum and speaking to a friend and i said i know this is going to sound crazy but was i a drug addict or was it a dream and they was ready to um start to make referrals to mental health (laughs) thinking that oh my god amanda doesn't this is not right um and i was very fortunate that i fell into the hands of a mentor she was she was the the service provider for the supported accommodation but she was also a life coach and mentor and um she became my mentor and within i think it was within 12 months i'd become a self-employed zumba fitness instructor um, I was given my first car by my mentor, and I'd met my partner, who I'm still with today. And I was working actually at the supported accommodation as a volunteer, learning all of the um, the doing all the training to run supported accommodation. So in 12 months, quite a lot had happened, and it just kept on evolving. Things just got bigger and better from there.
1: So when people read "Trapped by the Devil," what do you hope they take
8: away? Definitely inspiration and definitely hope and empowerment to know that whatever really 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 whatever it is that we say that we want that whatever happiness looks like because that is the ultimate goal the ultimate freedom goal is happiness and whatever happiness looks like Go after it. You are worthy. (laughs) Um, I know that the feeling sometimes of, you know, we can't do it or we shouldn't do it or why should we do it. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, there is no reason why you should not go after your biggest and best dream and be and do who you were created to be and do.
1: Perfect place to end this. Pick up the book, Trapped by the Devil. Kate Spencer is the pen name, Amanda Tweed. Thank you so much for coming on.
8: Thank you. Thank you, Kent.
5: My name is Milan Vukovic. Ten years ago, I got frustrated with the quality of Pau Diarco tea sold in the stores. So, I founded the Pau Diarco Tea Club that now ships our Super Tea to over 100 countries. You too can order or get info about the original Pure Pau diarco Super Tea at www.drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. Why settle for less when you can order original Pure Pau Diarco and drink Super Tea for only $34.95 per pound plus shipping? Each pound makes 300 cups, which is the equivalent of $0.12 per cup for the original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea. Order now at www.drinksupertea.com. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113, that's drinksupertea.com, or by calling 818-965-9113.